Holy Ghost like we do right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Miracle signs and wonders are available right now. If you have a need in your body, a need in your life, I want you to lift it up right now and begin to pray. Bind with the members of your family and pray right now. If you need healing in your body, if you need a financial miracle, if you need a miracle in your family, whatever the case may be, I want you to lift it up and begin to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. Amen. I want to say a few things as we are getting into the word of the Lord here this afternoon. The first thing I want to say is uh, congratulations to Rhonda, Sister Rhonda Miller who was baptized in Jesus' name yesterday. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bessler, brother and sister Bessler, were teaching a Bible study and, and uh, just they've been talking. She's been coming to church for the last little bit and she decided that that uh, that it was time to be baptized in Jesus' name. And there will be more that will make up their mind and decide that they want their sins washed away in the name of Jesus. And I'm excited for it. Uh, the greatest revival is not behind us, but it is ahead of us. And so I'm thanking God for that. And so she was baptized in Jesus' name. And, uh, and we're so excited for that. Uh, but also, uh, there's many that would say, man, do we miss coming to church? Well, I want you to know, from our, our hearts to you, we miss you coming to church as well. So uh, we miss you all, and we've been praying, and uh, we're just believing uh, that, that, that good things are coming from this in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would feign to have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, that ring of authority, and shoes on his feet, 
And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. And I want to preach for a few moments on this subject. Father's house. Father's house. Would you set down your Bibles, lift up your voice, and let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. Hallelujah. We're praying, God, that your word would, would speak and would preach to our ears and to our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd give me the liberty to preach this the way that I feel it, God. Hallelujah. I pray that this would touch every individual that hears this message, God. I pray that this would be a time of reflection, that this would be a time of restoration, God. We're giving you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody worship him for just a few moments. God, we give you praise. We give you glory, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated here or at home. Do whatever you like. Hallelujah. Father's house. This parable is most likely uh, among Jesus' top three most famous parables. Um, something that uh, as, as preachers we utilize this um, in many different ways, but we like to, to utilize this um, in talking to uh, lost souls and to sinners and to those that have walked away from the faith. And uh, I think this is good and in order, and we might do that a little bit here today. Um, but, but often we focus most of our attention on the what we call the prodigal son, uh, which, by the way, that word prodigal is nowhere in the Bible. Uh, in fact, he is never called a prodigal by his father, and uh, and we'll talk about that. It was his brother that actually gave him that title, uh, his brother that never left. But but to focus in on father's house for just a few moments here today. We know through the context of this story that the father was very, very wealthy. We can tell that he had a very profitable business, whether that be uh, 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 that he was a, a, a shepherd. We don't know whether he was running uh, uh, any other kind of business, a wool or textile uh, business, whether he was somebody that built homes and houses. I don't know exactly what he did, but we do know that he was very profitable. We know that he had a large estate, a large home front. He had hired servants and servant living quarters. He had enough money that he was able to give away up to half of his possessions, and it did not even phase the father or his business. The Bible would let us know that the father had two sons. This is a typology of the Jew and of the Gentile, of the spirit and of the flesh, of the lost and of the found, of the church and of the world. There is a lot being said here uh, there that we like to focus in on the prodigal son, and we'll talk about him a little bit today. But Jesus is one of Jesus' main reasons for telling this parable was he was talking to the religious Jewish people that were in front of him and those at, at, that were in front of him at that time. 
Uh, the Bible would talk about the older. He was the firstborn. We see that he never left the father's house. But one thing Jesus is quick to point out after our text is finished, he never left the house, but he also never changed. His negative attitude towards his brother remained the same all the way throughout this parable. He was the one to distance himself from brotherhood. For the Bible would say that when this son returned, that he looked at his father and he said, This, your son, trying to remain and refrain himself from calling him his brother. He did not want to accept that this brother that had made mistakes was indeed and in fact still a blood relation. He said, This, your son, that has wasted his life in riotous living. That is where we get the word prodigal. Somebody who has wasted their life, that is, spent all, amen, on foolishness. It was the brother that declared his, his name was to be prodigal, amen. But it was this brother that decided, amen, I don't want to be associated with a prodigal. I don't want to be associated with somebody that's made mistakes. I don't want to be associated with somebody that's fallen. And Jesus was telling this to the religious of his day. You don't want to be associated with people that have fallen, the people that have made mistakes. Amen. But you are still a brother. It was the father that would look at the prodigal's brother and say this your brother was lost, but now he is found. It was Jesus telling the religious of his day, don't ever discount anybody that's made mistakes. Don't ever turn anybody down and say, there's no chance for you and there's no hope for you, even though you know that they have failed, even though you know they've made mistakes. It was Jesus telling the religious of his day, there is salvation for the people that you and I don't think there's salvation for. There is still hope and there is still relationship for even those that have fallen the deepest. I wonder if we could pray all across this house and in your house. I want you to know that we don't have that attitude. Uh, I want you to know as Apostolic Revival Center, we believe that Jesus can save anybody. We believe that Jesus can restore anybody. Amen. I want you to know that this parable was a warning to, to the religious. Amen. Even those that would be saved later. Don't discount anybody. As the church of the living God, we don't give up on anybody. It doesn't matter how much they've done wrong and how little they've done right. We don't give up on anybody. We don't, we don't discount them. We don't put them to the side. We don't shove them out of the way. We claim relationship, and we welcome them back into the fold in Jesus' name. But it does make sense from the brother's perspective. When you look at the younger son, and his viewpoint towards the younger son. This younger brother, this younger son, did not have a birthright. As we have learned before, the birthright is the responsibility to run the family after the father has passed away. We see Esau in the Old Testament that for a bowl of lentils, he sold his birthright to his brother Jacob. It was the fact that, that Esau... The Bible says later, despise his birthright. 
Esau who just wanted to be out in the field, just wanted to be out hunting, just wanted to have no cares and no responsibilities. When the opportunity came to give away his responsibilities to somebody else, he was more than willing. He was happy to do so. But it is here that this younger brother in the New Testament, he does not have this birthright. It is not resting on him that after his father dies to run the family business. He is free to do whatever he wants. He does not have any responsibilities. There are no laws that govern him. He, is, he, he, simply, he simply has to do the work that he is entitled to and no more. There's no management that he has to take care of. There is no extra responsibilities for this brother. And this is why the older brother despises him so much. He gets to live in absolute freedom, it seems. But there's something that comes along with this freedom that, that the older brother didn't realize. This younger brother started to get a mentality that was not correct. He started to despise the work that he did have to do. He didn't have all the responsibilities of the older brother. He was not next in line to take over the family business. But he was the one that was asked to do this chore and that chore. And it seemed like anybody else could have done his job. You see, when there's not responsibility placed on people, they start to look at the little tasks they're doing as being pointless and being meaningless. Amen. And so he starts to despise the little tasks that his father asks of him. He starts to despise the servants because surely the servants could do his job just as well as he could. And he could enjoy the life of being an heir. He could enjoy the life of just having money and just enjoying his world. He despised his brother because it was his brother that was older that came by and time and time again would give him tasks and give him chores and give him things to do because this younger brother, amen, was just impeding the family business. And that older brother was doing his best to whip him into shape, to get him to try to line up and to live up so that family business could continue. And this younger brother just seems to not care. So the older brother is starting to make a little more sense that his younger brother's not giving any, any cares. He doesn't worry about the business. He doesn't care if it falls apart in tanks, but the older one has got the responsibility on his shoulders. We can see that he despises his father. Maybe it's because he feels that his father should give him more than what he gets. He thinks that he deserves more. And ultimately, we find this prodigal son despised his father's house. People that have gone out and lived a prodigal life and have gone out into the world and have fallen into sin and mistakes, I want you to know that it never started in the world. It started right in father's house. That, 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 that lifestyle that people choose when they walk away from God, when they walk away from the things of God, it does not start when they are out at the party. It does not start at the bar. It does not start at the one-night stand. But all of it starts with a mentality that they have while they are still in Father's house. I want us to pray right now because there's people that are listening to this 
that have yet, they have not gone out, they have not done uh, all of the things that maybe are in their mind. There's people that are listening to this that maybe are on the other side of the coin. They know what it was to have walked away from God, and they know what it is to leave the church, and they're thinking to themselves, if I would have thought differently, if I would have treated the Father's house a little differently, if I would have treated the church of the living God a little differently, I would have never ended up in the position that I was in. Leaving Father's house started in the mind. This son that prodigaled himself, this younger son, we see that his, his perspective, his mindset of Father's house was not favorable in the slightest. The Bible would say that he turned to his father and said, Give me what is mine. He was viewing what his father owned as his own, but it was not his yet. He was saying, give me my inheritance. He was hoping to financially burden Father's house. That's how he felt about it. And, and that's typically what happens before people prodigal themselves. They want to take and not give. They want to financially burden the church and financially burden Father's house. Ultimately, he told his father, I wish you were dead. Because an inheritance doesn't show up until after the person that is willed it dies. Amen. He was telling his father, I wish you were dead. I could do better than my father or my brother if I could get the resources that were in father's house. I want you to notice the perspective of this son. Amen. Unfortunately, we know that he sold far shorter than he should have because this father was already a successful businessman, already had hired servants, already had a great estate. And this father surely in the last years of his life would have gained more, would have increased amen, his financial scope. Amen. And through the years, this prodigal son's inheritance would have grown greater and greater by compound interest. But he gathered all, the Bible says. And the father gave him what was to be his. The Bible says this prodigal son gathered all together. He was no longer giving. He was now taking. He was no longer distributing. He was now holding on to. He took all the money. He took all the clothes. He took all the talent. I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's people that before you ever leave the building, you start hoarding to yourself the things that God has gifted you with and God has given to you. And you hoard on to them and you hold on to them. Amen. And you start revoking the things that God has blessed you with. That God is saying, I want to use that talent. But you hold that talent to yourself. Amen. Amen. It was, it was the way that he lived, the way he acted, the way he gave, the way he dressed, his talents and all those things in between. He started gathering them together. It didn't take but a few days from telling his father, I want it all, that he gathered it all together. And the Bible says he ran away as far as he could. Because those that prodigal themselves understand, and this is why some people wonder why those that backslide and those that leave the church, why they go so wild and crazy. They are doing their best to distance themselves from the house of God. They are doing like Peter. He's willing even to go to the extent of cussing so that he does not sound like a Christian. 
Amen. There are people that when they walk away from God, they are willing to do everything they can to distance themselves. They're getting as far away as they can. They don't want to be associated with the church. They don't want to be associated with the house. They don't want to be associated with their father. And so they do everything they can to distance themselves. They become estranged from their father. And the Bible says that after he got as far away as he could, he spent all that he had on riotous living. He started living a life without restraint. Because when you leave Father's house, amen, when that mentality gets in there, amen, that Father's house isn't that great, you start looking at Father's house as a bunch of rules and regulations. And Father's house just seems like a burden. And so now that people get free of Father's house, they start living a life free of all restraints. They throw caution to the wind. And they start doing things they never thought they would. They spend all that they have been conserving. All that their father has spent years putting into them, putting into their savings account. All that their father has set aside uh, their loving father uh, that has provided for them that has blessed them that has done everything to keep them where they are they take it all and they start riotously living and blowing it all left and right they start living a life without restraint and the bible says that after he had spent all a mighty famine arose in that land a mighty famine came and we see through scripture that famines come as a result Amen. Often of God bringing that famine because it is God trying to wake up a people. It is God trying to wake up a nation. And can I just say in this story here today, it is God trying to wake up a son or wake up a daughter. There are people that are listening to me right now. Amen. And I'm telling you, God is trying to wake you up. Everything that's going on in our world, God is trying to shake our world and to wake our world up because God knows. Amen. If they have all that they have, if they keep keep, keep these blessings and keep all these things, they may never turn around. But if I can bring a famine in the land, if I can bring some pestilence and some trouble, it could just be the greatest turnaround, the greatest revival the church has ever seen. Let's pray all across this house and right there in your house. Come on, God. God might just be trying to wake us up. God could just be trying to wake up sons and daughters in the name of Jesus. This famine arose in the land. That means that this famine was affecting everybody, not just the son. This foreigner son, this prodigal son, is in a land of famine. But can I just tell somebody here today that he does not belong in this land of famine. He comes from a house, father's house, a house of plenty, a house of more than enough a house where his father supplies all of his needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But now he's in a land that is surrounded by famine. And he is feeling that famine uh, as it begins to eat away and he gets hungrier and hungrier. Uh, can I preach to somebody uh, that if you are a child of God, you do not belong in this world. Uh, you do not belong in a land of famine. You belong in Father's house. Uh, you belong in a land that is more than enough. Uh, land that is flowing with milk and with honey. You belong in a land that is open. You belong in a land called Father's House where God supplies it all. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. 
Somebody needs to get their mind changed right now. Where you, Some people think they deserve the famine. Some people think they know you're a child of God. You got royal blood running through your veins. You deserve to be in Father's house. There's too many people that once they spend all they have on riotous living, they start thinking to themselves, I deserve it. I want you to know that his leaving Father's house started in his mind, but his staying in the land of famine, it was in his mind as well. Because that's the problem with shame and guilt is it's compounding interest. That once you've done something wrong, the devil will come by and whisper in your ear and tell you all the things you've done wrong. And, and he was the one that tempted you to do it in the first place. And you did it. And now he tells you you're stupid for doing it. And, and it starts to compound. And you feel so ashamed that I could never go back. I could never do this. And, 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 and there's other people that maybe they've never even left the building. But I'm talking about people that have lived a life in their, they're living a life in a land of famine. Uh, though they've never left the church. And they might still be in the building. And they might still be, they've been watching this online. And they still are considered a saint in the church uh, but they're living a life of famine they're not living on more than enough they're living on barely enough uh, they're barely surviving in their walk with God and they're convinced in themselves in their mind uh, that somewhere along the lines I've made enough mistakes where I deserve this uh, and I belong here uh, but I've come to tell you there's a father on his rocking chair uh, sitting back in his house uh, waiting for sons and daughters to come all the way home uh, and he's not saying you deserve famine he's not saying you deserve pestilence uh, he's not saying you deserve all of these problems some people get so so ashamed and so full of guilt they just think i i deserve this lot in life and so they start doing the best they can to medicate where they are and the bible says that this famine affected him so badly that he began to be in want there's some good things that are coming out of this famine for the first time in his life he has had unfilled wants and needs he is in a state of neediness I know that's a little hard. Uh, that's pretty hard for, for myself to understand. Somebody not ever understanding what it is to be in need or to be in want coming from my background. But this is really how it is from somebody coming from Father's house. Amen. And, and I've seen it too many times. People that were raised in church their entire lives that have lived for God most of their entire lives that have never known what it was to be without the presence of Father, to be without the presence of God. Amen. That they don't even know what it is to be in a time of need or a time of want. And this famine comes and it hits them. And now they start really feeling the hunger pangs. Amen. And for the first time in their life, something begins to happen. And, and he begins to be in want. And he's in this state of neediness. And he's not living a life that's fulfilled. But he's living an empty, amen, boring and bland life. A life without form and void. And, and it's just seeming like nothing is going to change. And he just gets emptier and emptier and emptier because of the famine. And the Bible says that he becomes, he joins himself to a a citizen of that country. Now a foreigner has joined himself to a citizen trying to assimilate as if this is his lot in life that he deserves it. Now he's trying to make permanent residence in this place of famine, in this land of hunger. And there he begins to feed the pigs. This is something he thinks to himself. Uh, something's starting to shift now that he's gotten hungry. Something started to shift now that he's become so empty. Something is starting to change. I'll tell you what's happening. Something in his mind is beginning to shift. Uh, something in his mind is beginning to change. Uh, he thinks to himself as he is feeding the pigs uh, some corn husks and feeding them slop. He starts thinking to himself, uh, not even the servants uh, of my father's house back home have to do something like this. Uh, we don't have pigs 
pigs uh, where I come from because uh, he was a Jewish boy uh, and he knew that, that pigs were unclean animals uh, and he knows that this wouldn't be allowed in my father's house. And, and it was a time when I'm sure he was at father's house uh, that he wished he could have some pork. Maybe he thought maybe I could have some bacon. And, and father said no because that's just not what we do in this house. And now he's in a position where he's thinking to himself, I wish I could go back. He's starting to think about all the rules and regulations of Father's house in a different light. It's no longer, amen, that, that he was complaining about that there were no pigs. Dad, why don't we have any pigs? I've heard that it's delicious. I've heard all these other things. I know that's a little humorous. But really, this is how he started to think when he was in Father's house. But now he is feeding the pigs, and he's thinking, how disgusting are these animals? How filthy. They're rolling around in their own mire and in their own dung. And here I I am feeding them. Look at all the mess they're eating. They'll eat anything that's laid before them. And, and he's thinking to himself, not even my father's servants have to do something this disgusting. Because people that leave father's house, whether it's physically or mentally, they start getting involved in things they never thought they would get involved in. And now he's looking at the food that the pigs are eating. And the Bible said he would feign to have filled himself with the husks that the pigs and the swine did eat. The pig's food has now become appetizing. These disgusting creatures that he's been told no all of his life have now, even what they're eating is looking appetizing because anything becomes appetizing when you go without food for a long time and anything is appetizing when you separate yourself from father's house for long enough everything starts to look more appealing and things that you would have never looked at things you would have never done things in places you never would have gone all of a sudden now that you are hungry and you are desperate they start looking a little more appetizing to you lift up your voice and let's pray Come on, there's somebody right now that I'm preaching right where you're living. I'm not just talking to people that have walked out of the house of God and those that have left Father's house on a physical level. I'm preaching today to those that have mentally, they've mentally walked out. They've mentally left. Amen. And they have disconnected. And I've come to preach and reach for you today. Amen. That you got to come back to Father's house. you got to come back to Father's house or you'll start eating things you never would have thought you ate. You'll start consuming things you never thought you would have consumed. You'll start acting and doing things you never thought possible the Bible says he would have feigned to fill his belly no man gave unto him because when you leave father's house in the real world there are no handouts people get they, they start and, and let me just preach the way I feel it people start looking at the church so negatively for so many years and for so long amen that 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 they take for granted the people that pray for him pray for them the, they take for granted the people that love them they take for granted the people that are willing amen to, to bear their burdens and lift them up uh, and they get out in the world and they start complaining uh, even more that the world's so heartless and so careless and and they don't they don't care about them and they don't seem to worry about them and and and, and I want to just preach it real plain to somebody that in your mind you're walking out of father's house in the real world there are no handouts in the real world everybody's seeking out for the care of number one I've been out on the streets I've been out in the world I know what it is to only have to think about myself and to take care of myself and I know what it is amen to even have family members that when the, the rubber met the road amen when everything was going down amen it came about finding themselves somewhere to go amen I want you to know it became about number one and not about everybody 
else. But that's not the way it is in Father's house. In Father's house, there's a bunch of people that care. In Father's house, there's a bunch of people that love. In the world, the Bible says no man gave to him. You know why? Because everybody was suffering as bad as he was. In the real world, nobody's going to take care of you. In the real world, nobody's going to love you and try to try to help you out. Uh, amen. The world will be the ones that tells you they love you and, oh, I wish you could come party with me. But they won't be the ones burying you. It'll be the church burying you. Uh, it'll be the church crying at your funeral. It'll be the church saying, I wish, I wish you would have just got it right and came back to Father's house. Uh, amen. The world, they'll party with you, but they won't show up crying at your funeral. Uh, amen. They'll be the ones that put you in that casket, but they won't be the ones to be carrying that casket. It'll be the Father's house that cares. I'm preaching a, real, a very real message to somebody here today. There were no handouts. You know why? Because in church, and this is, I just want to just preach it how I feel. And I know there's not everybody, there's, there people may not be in the building, but there are people listening. But, but there's people that they don't realize that in the church and in Father's house, they have a place of privilege. In Father's house, they're talented. In Father's house, they have giftings. In Father's house, they have something to offer. In Father's house, they have, they have something that, that, that is of value. But once you get out in the world, they don't see you privileged. When you get out in the world, they look at you as just another beggar. They look at you as just another person going through the famine. They look at you as just another hungry person. He was not privileged in this place. He was, in fact, even worse than those that were going through the famine. My Bible says he was a foreigner. Amen. He was not a citizen of that country. Amen. Because heaven was meant to be his home. The father's house was meant to be his home. And now he's in this far country. He's an outcast. He's a foreigner. He's not even meant to be there. And now he's hungry. And the people of that country know you don't belong here. And we're not given any handouts here. You shouldn't even be here. You're a privileged individual where you come from. But back here in our world, you have no privilege. He would have, we would have taken anything they would have given him, but nobody would give to him. And thank God for the famine. Thank God for the people that are heartless. Thank God for the people that will step all over you. Uh, I know that doesn't sound like good preaching, but it's real good preaching. Uh, because it was at that moment, my Bible says, uh, that he came to himself. Uh, if he'd have gotten a handout from everybody else uh, when he left Father's house, uh, he would have never thought about returning to Father's house. Uh, if he'd have been full and fed, uh, if there'd have been no famine, if there'd have been no trouble, if there'd have been no sickness, if there'd have been no pain, uh, he would have never turned around. Uh, but I want to say thank God uh, the fact that nobody treated this individual like they were privileged in this land of famine because it was all of that, all of those problems, all those compounding issues, they fell on him. And it was at that moment, my Bible says, that he came to himself. It was their self-awareness. For the first time, he had a moment to think about where he came from. He snapped out of his false sense of reality. He snapped out of it. His mindset began to shift in this moment. And the Bible says he came to himself and he began to think about his father's house. But I want you to notice that something had changed. He's no longer thinking as negatively as he was. He's not thinking with spite. 
He's not thinking with anger. He's not thinking with malice towards his father's house. But he is thinking favorably about his father's house. After all that he'd just come through, after all that he'd been through, after all the wreck and all the people leaving and all the people, amen, no longer helping him out. They were all there when he had money. They were all there when they were partying. They were all there loving him when he had something to offer. But now that he's just as busted as they are, they left him high and dry. And at that moment, he came to him. Himself. Amen. He started to become aware and he thought to himself about his father's house. He thought about the servants, all those people that he despised for so many years or even didn't even think about it all. He started thinking about it. Can I preach to somebody? He started thinking about the musicians he used to complain about. He started thinking about the singers, the songs they didn't, that he didn't like. He started thinking about the preacher that he didn't ever get along with. He started thinking about all of the altar calls that were so embarrassing. Uh, he started thinking about the seats. Uh, amen. That, that, that maybe they weren't as comfortable as he would have liked. Uh, and now he's not thinking the way he used to think. Uh, he's thinking about those servants. Uh, and he's thinking, oh man, I wonder how Joe's doing. Uh, I wonder how Bill's doing. Uh, I wonder how Susie's doing. Uh, I just want to know, are they doing all right? He started thinking now, no longer negatively about everybody else in Father's house. But he started thinking positively. And then he started thinking about the food of even the servants. And he thought, more than enough. This young boy who, when he left father's house, mentally, his mind was so skewed, he thought, there's more out in this world. There's more for me out of Father's house. I've got more opportunities. I've got more options. I can acquire and achieve and obtain more outside of Father's house. There just doesn't seem to be enough in Father's house. Now he's thinking, oh my goodness, my father's servants had more than enough. Even the servants had more than enough. Even the servants' meal that maybe this son would have never thought about, never even considered before. It wasn't even on the level that his father used to feed him. But he thought, oh my goodness, I wish I could have just some of the things that the servants ate. Because all of it sounded better than the pig's feed and he started thinking to himself about father's house and something came to his mind the number one most important thing about father's house it wasn't the servants it wasn't the food it wasn't the fellowship it wasn't the land it wasn't the money it wasn't the peace and the security but the number one thing that came to this young man's mind he started thinking about his father because before we ever start talking about father's house we got to remind ourselves whose house it is it's father's house and he started thinking i've got to make it right with my father i got to make it right oh hallelujah let's lift up our hands and let's pray come on his mind started changing. He hated his father. He wanted his father dead. But now he started thinking, oh, I got to make it right with my father. I got to make it right with my father. I'm preaching to somebody. Come on, let's pray. I'm preaching to somebody that you're listening, you're watching. Amen. It's been a long time since you've been in church. It's been a long time since you've ever been to church. And you've been thinking all these negative thoughts about the church for so many years. But now troubles and trials are causing you to rethink. I want to tell you it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It's the grace of God that is causing your mind to shift, to think back. i got to make things right with my Father. 
He said, I got to make things right with my father. He said, I'm going to tell my father I have sinned before you and before heaven. Because making it right with his father, he knew I got to make things right with heaven as well. I got to make things right with God as well. I just want to help somebody. This son left the father's house and he was so sick of it. He was sick of the rules, sick of the work, sick of the structure, sick of the food, sick of the people, sick of the servants, sick of his brother, sick of all of his other family members. He was so tired of everybody nagging him to do this and to do that. He was tired of all the regulations or the rules. He was sick of it all. He left and ran his way as far as he could. But after being away for a long time, after being hungry, after feeling all alone, after after feeling so sinking down in the mire, feeding the pigs and wishing he could eat the pigs' food, he came to himself. He had a mental readjustment. He had a moment of repentance. The greatest thing any prodigal could ever have, whether they have left the building or they are a prodigal in Father's house, is to have a moment of repentance. Repentance comes from the word metanoia, which means to change one's mind. He had a change of mind before you can ever have a change of direction you've got to have a change of mind before you can ever change your eternity you've got to have a change of mind you've got to let God get down in there because there's some wires that haven't crossed correctly amen if you think of father's house and it's nothing but negative honey you're just a few steps away from a far country you're just a few steps away from a lost and dying world you need to let God get into your brain let God get in your mind and begin to convert it and begin to sanctify it. Metanoia, to change one's mind. All of this that had happened, he started changing his mind. And he begins to think for the first time. He thought of his father and his father's house. He started thinking, the Bible says he came to himself, he started thinking, oh my goodness, I've been such a terrible son. All he could see before this was a selfish viewpoint. All he could see was how he wasn't receiving enough. He wasn't getting what he wanted. But now he started thinking of all the things that he had done to hurt everybody else. Amen. Because you know where repentance starts? Repentance is not selfish. Repentance is selfless. Repentance is when you die to yourself. It's when you're no longer thinking about all that you can get, but you start thinking about all the things that you took, and you start saying, God, I'm sorry. You start making apologies. I'll tell you when a prodigal's ready to come home, whether they have left the building or they are still in the church. Amen. I'll tell you when they're ready to come home. It's when they start thinking about their actions and how their actions have affected other people. It's when they start thinking about their words and how their words have affected other people. It's when they start thinking about all the things that have happened and how that what they have done has affected others. They stop thinking about themselves. And he started thinking about his father, his father's house. He started thinking about his father's servants. His viewpoint and perspective had changed. 
and he started thinking, I mean, he used to think, I can't wait to get away from this house. I can't wait to get away from Father's house, but now his mind is so repentant. His mind is so changed. He started thinking, oh, that I might go home. Oh, that I might eat food. Oh, that I might just be as one of my father's hired servants. Somebody that it before said, I don't ever want to serve in Father's house. I have no intention of ever doing anything in Father's house. He came back and he came to himself and said, oh, that I might have an opportunity to serve in Father's house. Somebody that would only do things if they got the limelight and they got the number one spot. Amen. As the son is now saying, I'll do anything in Father's house. I can't wait to be in Father's house. I'll clean the floors. I'll clean the toilets. Whatever I can do, just let me be back in Father's house. This is what I call repentance. Oh, that I might have connection. Oh, that I might have fellowship. I came to preach today, and I'm, I'm about done. But I've come to help somebody. This message here today, and could I just preach it, this season that the church of the living God is in is a preemptive strike. You don't have to become a prodigal that has walked out, that has completely left. Everything I'm preaching today, I'm not preaching because I got people in mind. Amen. In fact, those that might have left already, they may not ever see this. I'm preaching preemptively to people that their mindset is not right about Father's house and where you think about, how you think about Father's house makes a difference on whether you will stay in Father's house. I've come to preach in this season. In this season, we are getting an opportunity uh, to feel like the prodigal son uh, without actually being the prodigal son. Uh, we have all been stripped away from this building. Uh, we've all been stripped away from this house. Uh, and what a reminder it can be. Uh, there's a lot that are complaining, uh, making Facebook posts, uh, getting aggravated at the fact that they can't come to church. Uh, amen. But I got a question. Uh, amen. Will you treat the house of the Lord uh, the same way uh, when you get to come back to the house of the Lord. Come on, people that at one point complained about having to come to church, now they're complaining about the fact that they don't get to come to church. And I got a question, will this season with you being away from Father's house change the way you view Father's house? Oh, let's pray for just a few moments. It's a simple thought. It's a simple message. But I came to preach our viewpoint of Father's house makes a difference. Our viewpoint of the church makes a difference. Our viewpoint of the servants makes a difference. Our viewpoint of the preaching makes a difference. Our viewpoint about the music makes a difference. Our viewpoint about everybody serving and everything that we do, it makes a difference. Let's stand across the building and lift up our hands. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, this prodigal, he had a mindset change. He had a come-to-himself moment. He had a repentance moment. And it wasn't just a change of his viewpoint of himself. He stopped feeling shame and guilt right there in that moment. He thought, i, I gotta, I got to at least try to go back to Father's house. I know I messed up, but, but there was a greater repentance. It was his view of Father's house. The greater repentance came when he thought about his father, when he thought about the servants, when he thought about his father's house. I got a question for everyone. When we're able to gather together, what will this house be to you? Will you just think, man, I'm tired of sister so-and-so. Tired of brother so-and-so. You're a prodigal, you just don't know it. Or will it be, 
I'm so excited to see somebody else worshiping next to me. How will you view your brothers and sisters when this is all done? That person in church leadership that had to correct you, you got mad, you got bitter. How will you feel about them now? Will you be thankful to be in a position where you can be corrected again? Or will you be bitter and stay bitter? People that never had a desire to do anything in church or do anything for God. Are you ready to come back and serve? Or will you come back and think, this place is just as bad as when I left it? When you come back to Father's house, are you going to be ready to worship? Or are you going to be staring at everybody else and criticizing their worship? When you come back to Father's house, are you ready to eat whatever is served whatever is preached whether you like the message whether you don't like the message whether you like the preacher or you don't like the preacher what will your viewpoint and what will your activity be of father's house could it be that god is allowing us to readjust our thinking about his house could it be that in this season god is allowing us to be so separated that we know have to view God's house a little differently. I want us to lift up our hands right now. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on. There's some listening that have been staying away from Father's house because their viewpoint of Father's house has been so messed up. Today, I pray for repentance. Today, I pray for a mindset change. Today, I pray for metanoia. Today, I pray that we would all come to ourselves and think positively about Father's house. There's people that maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church. Not just because of this, but you just haven't come to church. And there's other people that you've come to church, but mentally you've been so far away. The viewpoint of Father's house has been so negative for some people. They're a prodigal and they just don't know it. They've left the building. They've left, they've left the building in their mind, but never in their body. But I've come to help somebody. Change your mind. Father's house is a good place. There is restoration in Father's house. Because when he came back to Father's house, amen. The Bible says he put on that ring of authority. He put shoes on his feet. He put on the best robe. Amen. As if, as if he had never left in the first place. When you come to Father's house, you can be fully restored. He said, Father, I just want to be a servant. I just want to be a slave. But his father looked at him and said, no, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're still my son. Father's house is a place of relationship. Father's house. He said, you take care of him. Father's house is a place of safety. It's a place of security. He said, you make sure you get anything he needs. Father's house is a place of provision. Amen. He said, you make sure we throw a party and have a, have a festival in honor of this son that was lost but now is found. Because there is community in Father's house. There is celebration in Father's house. There are miracles, signs, and wonders in Father's house. The prodigal's return did not start in his feet. It started in his mind. He changed his viewpoint. 
He changed his perspective of Father's house. And that made the difference of whether or not he made it back to Father's house. I want us to pray. I'm done preaching right here. I, I, I just want us to pray. In the name of Jesus, come on right where you are in your home. You may not be able to physically come to this building right now, but I want to tell you right where you are, you can mentally shift and you can make a mental change. I'm going to view church a little differently. I'm going to view Father's house a little differently. I'm going to view the people of God a little differently. I'm going to view the preaching a little differently. I'm going to view the worship a little differently. I'm going to view my brother and sister a little differently. I'm going to, I'm going to view the department heads a little differently. It's going to change. Amen. That's how prodigals come home. They start viewing things properly. Bible says that he changed his mind and it changed his direction and he started walking home towards father's house there's people that are saying well preacher that sounds great I want to change my mind about father's house I want to have a good viewpoint I want to go back and change the way I've acted about certain things and change the way I've done certain things that's good that's repentance that's a good thing but the Bible says that as he started walking while he was still afar off his father saw him. Can I help somebody uh, that when you make it up in your mind, I'm going to change my viewpoint of father's house. Uh, and you make it up in your mind, I'm going to go back to father's house. You don't even have to make it all the way to the building. Uh, father will come to where you are. Uh, and you are in your house. You are in your living room. Uh, you are listening to this preaching. Uh, and I've come to tell you that if you'll begin to pray right now, he will come to where you are uh, while you are still a great distance off. Uh, you could say, Lord, I've made some decisions. i made some mistakes. You might even say, God, i I have viewed things wrong and my mind has left the building a long time before my body. But you can begin to pray right now and you can begin to repent. And as you change your direction and start taking those steps forward, as we worship right now, I believe that God is going to meet you right where you are. I believe the Father of Father's house is going to meet you in your house. I believe the Father of Father's house is going to meet you in your car. I believe the Father of Father's house is going to meet you right where you're listening. Come on, let's worship the Lord and let's pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to have an altar call right where you are. I've been Come on, in the name of Jesus. Let that mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who, 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 who made himself a form of a servant. Amen. He began, he began to change our mindset on that cross. He began to help us change our mind on Calvary. I want you to begin to pray right now. Pray with the person that's next to you. Come on, if it's appropriate, I want you to pray with them. Pray with your family member. Come on, Father's house is a good place. Come on, Father's house is a good place. Father's house is a blessed place. Father's house, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. Change your mind and change your direction. Change your mind and change your location. Change your mind.
legends came.